Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.
Good morning, everyone, on your feet. Welcome to PCA Church. We are going to have an awesome time worshiping our God this morning. He is good, amen. We bless your holy name, God. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are here with us. And Lord, we just ask that you would touch our hearts as we touch yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Heaven thundered and the world was born. Life begins and ends in the dust you form. Thank you, Lord. They've commanded. Nothing shall be 
Master. I thank the Savior because He healed my heart. He changed my name forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the Master. I thank the Savior. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Yeah. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. He picked me up. He turned me around. He placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master. I thank the Savior. Because He healed my heart. He changed my name. Forever free, I'm not the same. I thank the Master. I thank the Savior. Praise Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are so good to us, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb. Till I met you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I was breathing but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my tomb. Yeah. Till I met you. Thank you, Jesus. You called my name, and I ran out of that grave, yeah. out of the darkness, into your glorious day. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. You called my Your freedom is all that I know. The old made new. Yes. Jesus, when I met you, hallelujah, you called my name.
to be rescued. Yes. And amen. Every one of us, right? I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. The chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now your love is the air that I'm breathing. I have a future. My eyes are open. Cause when you call my name, yeah, I ran out of that grave. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Let's bless him. Let's bless him. You are worthy, God. You are worthy, God. Lord, I just can't even imagine how much you love us, that you would sacrifice your one and only son for us. Lord, your unfailing love is priceless. And Lord, we are going to just pour some love on you because you are worthy. You are worthy, God. You are worthy, you are worthy, you are the love of my life, you are the hope that I cling to, you mean more than this world to me. Wouldn't trade you for silver or gold. I wouldn't trade you for riches untold. You are, you are my. Let's sing that again. You are.
Everything must bow to the name of Jesus. If there's anything in your life today that is holding you captive, today is the day to give it to Jesus. He is the all-powerful God. And if you will release it to Him, He can break it off of your life. He came to make the blind eyes see. He came to set the captives free. Thank you, Lord. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak, I speak Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Till every dark addition starts to break. Thank you, Lord. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn
Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus, sing it again, sing it again, sing it again, yeah, shout Jesus from the mountains, and Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. And Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name of Jesus. We're going to do that one more time, yes. Shout Jesus in the mountains and Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy.
everything must bow to the name of Jesus. Everything must bow to the name of Jesus. And I know everybody here has something you're dealing with. Speak Jesus to whatever that situation is. Lord, we're believing you for great and mighty things. I'm believing you to do mighty things in every life in this place today. I thank you, Lord, for who you are. I thank you that you are the one true God and that you care about every person in this building, every person watching from live stream. You care about every detail, no matter how big or how small. And you love every person. Help us to really get that into our spirits, how much you love us, and that you are working for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The miraculous God, I love you and I bless your holy name. You are beautiful, God. Have your way in this place. Speak to us through Sunrise Teen Challenge today. Prick our hearts. Break our hearts to what break yours. Help us to hear straight from you today, Lord. I thank you, God. Speak to us. My children, I've heard your cries. I've heard your praise. I've heard your glorification of me. Lay out your soul. Lay out what is you before me as an offering. I will lift you up. I will heal you. I will touch you. I will bless you because I am the Lord your God who loves you. I stand in place of all what the enemy tears down. I stand in place of what the enemy destroys. I stand in place of what the world will try to take from you. But I am your father. I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's thank him for that word. Lord, you are so good to us. You are so good to us. You are so good to us. If you happen to be new, that is a biblical thing that just happened. The Bible talks about tongues and interpretation. And that is just a little love note to us right from our God in heaven above. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name, Lord. We bless your name. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for speaking to us today, Lord. I believe you're going to continue to do that. I believe you're going to continue to do that. Bless the speakers, Lord. Speak through them today. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Let's give him one more good clap, shout out. Tell him how much we love him. You are beautiful, Lord. I love you, Lord. He's so good, amen. You are awesome, God. All right. We thank you, Lord. All right, so now we're going to give you all, we're going to switch gears a little bit. 
We're going to give you all an opportunity to greet one another. If you don't, if you want to social distance, just stay where you are. And those of you who are out greeting, please don't try to greet those who are staying in their seats. But you can greet everybody else who's out and about. So say hello. PCA Church family, it's great to see you. It's so great to see you. Thanks so much for being here or joining us live stream. Uh, it's great to be together in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, while we are finishing up our personal greeting with one another, we would like you to know that if this is one of the, perhaps the first time or one of the first few times that you've been with us, that means you're very important to us. And because of that, we would like the honor to get to know you a little better. That's why in uh, the seat backs in front of you, there is a VIP card. And we would love for you to just take a few moments, uh, fill that out. And uh, in another few moments after that, you can either place it uh, in the offering bags as the ushers serve you in your giving. Or you can really be smart and work the system and you can take it to the back, to the Welcome Center, and you'll even get a little something to take home with you if you do it. So I would do that if I were doing it, but that's up to you. Uh, but we'd love a chance to get to know you a little bit better, and uh, that would be a great blessing for us. Um, as the ushers are coming, we want to remind you, we, we, we try to meet you at every possible point we can in facilitating your giving, your sowing into God's kingdom. So, of course, you can uh, give cash or checks in the offering now. Uh, you can go online to pcachurch.com, and you can give through uh, the website. Uh, if you'd like to handle your business through the apps on your smartphone, go to the App Store or the Play Store. Uh, just search for PCA Church. It'll give you then just some few simple instructions. You can get set up that way. You can uh, text if your fingers twitch in the night because you text so much during the day, then maybe you want to text to give. If you want to do that, 844-390-2401, and you can give via 
text. Uh, there's a kiosk in the foyer, and uh, you can go there if you'd like to do your business through a credit or debit card and track your giving that way. Uh, your first time, you have to put in your full name, and uh, there'll be a few other prompts, but after that, you'll be set up, and you can give that way. Or if you just can't make it any other way, but you would always like to uh, remember God's tithe and your giving, and you'd like to uh, just mail it to us. You can mail it to the uh, PCA Church at 1313 Mockingbird Lane. And no, wait a minute. That's that's the Munsters. I'm sorry. That Halloween kind of messed me up. That's the Munsters. It's not 1313 Mockingbird Lane. It's 2313 East Prospect uh, here in Ponca City. So 2313 uh, East Prospect. You know, I've heard this phrase that. Uh, life isn't so much about uh, your actions, but it's more about reactions. And there's a certain wisdom to that. Um, but I like the assurance of God's word where you can do more than just react. You can be proactive. You can get ahead of the next challenge or even the next crisis in your life. Here's how you do it. God said in the first book, he said, as long as my people are down here on this earth, here's this thing that is going to remain. I call it seed time and harvest. And then he said in Galatians that whoever you are, as long as you reap, excuse me, sow good seed to those things that are of my spirit, as long as you do that, you shall reap good things of my spirit. And as long as you don't give up, I ain't going to give up either, and you shall reap in the perfect season. So in this time and season of everything going on and uncertainty and what's going to happen in the next quarter in the economy, I don't know either, but I know this. The seed that my house plants today shall give me a harvest in the perfect season in my tomorrows. And the same thing works for you. It doesn't matter if you've messed up before, start now. God cares about your now. That's why we have forgiveness, amen? God cares about your now. So are you ready to start now? Come on, let's pray and believe. Father God, we thank you for the power of your covenant word. You have a word that's beyond any man's promise. Your covenant promise is a surety. It's a certainty of life. So Father God, we gladly release back to your, you your tithe. You trusted us with it for a season. Now we're showing we're trustworthy servants. Here's your tithe, and now here's our offerings above and beyond that, Father. Take all this seed, put it into your kingdom, reach somebody's life for eternity's sake to turn their lives around, Father. Reach somebody that we cannot reach on our own. And then, Almighty God, we know, we rest in your word that you shall give us the perfect harvest over and above our need, our more than enough harvest. It's coming, Father, in the perfect time. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. In the name of your Son, our Redeemer kinsman, his name is Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Brian. Uh, that reminded me this week I was talking with a farmer and uh, said it didn't get much rain this year. So the, the uh, crop on the beans that he was producing was not as much as normal. That reminded me, 
God's going to send the reign of the Holy Spirit. doesn't matter what's going on. As long as you tithe the reign of the Holy Spirit, it will return to you. You will get a harvest, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's good stuff. Man, I appreciate that. Well, today, uh, I'm very excited. This is one of the great Sundays of our year. Our church is very missions-coordinated, and um, usually we send out money, and we don't see what happens to it. And the Bible says we're to be missionaries in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the utmost parts of the world. We support missionaries around the world, but we also support missions here in our homeland in America, and we also support missions here in Oklahoma. I believe Jerusalem ought to be first, don't you? Where you live. Today's one of the great days we get to hear about harvest and hear about what God is doing in some of our missions-focused uh, uh, ministries. And today, we have Sunrise Adult Men's Challenge here today from Cash, Oklahoma. Can we give them a big welcome? Pastor Josh, come on up. Go ahead and bring your Bible because, man, you're going to stay up here for a while. He's going to come back, okay. All right, well, this guy right here is Pasha Joshua West, awesome man of God. He and his wife, Kira, uh, they're about to have a new addition to their family, I think, and uh, we're so excited for them. But they have been at the Sunrise Men's Challenge for seven years in ministry, which might be a record for most <laughs> ministers in this position. But this great couple are so talented and so gifted at what they do. Uh, they're very musically gifted as well. They play instruments and sing, and uh, normally they do that. But Miss Kira today is um, kind of just taking it easy, relaxing, so we're going to give her a pass. But uh, they always bless us with song and ministry. And uh, today is going to be an awesome day. So I gave you a chance to welcome them, but I believe there are many people who are heroes of the faith. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 talks about it. So would you stand with me today and let's give these heroes of our faith a big welcome to Ponca City, Oklahoma. God bless you, buddy. I'm actually speaking out of Jesus. Are you awesome? Thank you, thank you. You can be seated. Um, First and foremost, let me just say with all sincerity what an honor it is to be here, Pastor. Um, it means a lot to turn your pulpit over to somebody, and we don't take it for granted. We are very grateful to be here. We love this church. We have friends in this church for many years. I've known Pastor ever since he's been here, um, and we're, we're grateful to be part of a, a church that believes in missions. You know, the truth is this, that the Bible is calling all of us. You know, when we give our life to God, we are required to to sort of give a missionary's prayer god's not going to send us all out but the but the the thing we all have to to come to terms with is god send me use me and for some of us it's going to be pastoring churches for some of us it's going to be pastoring team challenges for some of you it's going to be in vocational ministry as you run a business for the glory of god uh, but all of this is for the for the sake of the kingdom of god and so it is a, a great honor to be here with Brothers and sisters in the faith, because that's what you guys are to us. So thank you for having us. Uh, my name is Pastor Josh West, like Pastor said, and uh, I am the program manager of Sunrise Adult and Teen Challenge in Cache, Oklahoma. How many of you guys know what Teen Challenge is or what we do? Most of you. Very, very good. Well, I won't belabor the point, but just a reminder, I like to talk about our roots. Teen Challenge is a, a, uh, a ministry. We are not a rehab. We were born... In, in the, the ghettos of Brooklyn, New York, there was a man by the name of David Wilkerson who was a small-town country preacher. 
in Philadelphia, or in uh, Pennsylvania, excuse me. And, and David Wilkerson began to feel the stirring of God in his heart and in his life. And he decided that he was going to get rid of his television. This is 1958, so he was deciding to not watch two channels. I believe that probably is. But um, he got rid of his television and he, and he committed himself to a season of prayer. Not for uh, a, a marital problem, not for a financial trouble. Listen, God wants us to pray about all these things. But, but he wasn't seeking God for that. He was seeking the Lord. Lord, what would you ask of me? Lord, send me. What, would you, what, what, what do you want for me to do with my life? And uh, he felt the spirit of God leading him to Brooklyn, New York, to minister to some, some young people who were in the news who had killed another young person. It was a very publicized trial. And he went there to try to minister to these, these young men. And when he got to Brooklyn, he realized that there was a world that he had never seen before. There were, there were people that the, the social services called throwaways. And it broke his heart. And he said, what can we do for these young people? And they said, stay out of Brooklyn, Pastor Wilkerson. You're going to get yourself killed. But he didn't leave Brooklyn. He stayed. And, and 60 years later, there are now over 200 teen challenge centers across this nation. There are, amen, for the glory of God. There are 1,500 centers worldwide. We are in countries that missionaries aren't gratefully welcomed, but because they have the same problems we have, we are welcomed in. And Team Challenge is a discipleship ministry. We are not a rehab. We're not against rehabs, but we are not rehabs. We are ministries that are aimed and centered around the gospel and biblical Christianity. We understand the fact that drugs are, are rooted in the same thing everything else in life is that, that is wrong with this life, and that is sin. Sin that disconnects us from the God who made us. And that, and even though many times today we don't want to believe that the, the simple gospel that saved our forefathers is the, the, the answer. But the truth is, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this is what Teen Challenge is. Teen Challenge is a ministry that is, that is aimed at men and women of all socioeconomic backgrounds, all races. All Listen, drugs is no respecter of person. It don't matter if your dad was rich or poor, um, if you are black or white, if you grew up in the south or the north. It doesn't matter. Drugs will take everything from you. But fortunately, Jesus is no respecter of persons either. It says he came to seek and save that which is lost. And I am grateful to be one of these. Because I didn't come to Teen Challenge because I saw a want ad for a pastor. Many, many years ago, I was a drug addict. I wasn't your middle class drug addict either. I was a criminal. I was a drug addict, a drug dealer. I don't say this to glorify the past. I just want you to understand that when Jesus saves, he saves to the uttermost. Jesus, Jesus takes tax collectors, amen, and prostitutes and, and, and Pharisees who are even persecuting the church, and he raises them up for his glory. The only criteria is that we be fully broken and fully surrendered. You know, that's one of the advantages men like this have, actually, is the fact that we see our need. Like Matthew 5, 3 says, we are actually probably more aware that we are spiritually bankrupt. And that's the, the, the gospel transformed life that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount. You've got to realize that you're spiritually bankrupt. Your goodness isn't good enough. You've got to mourn over your sins. You've got to meekly trust in God. And those people, 
Jesus says he will fill with righteousness or right standing with God. And that's what Teen Challenge is. So today we got TJ here with us. We've got Stephen. We've got Jerry on the front row here. We got Boston sitting next to my beautiful and very pregnant wife, Kira. Um, And so Teen Challenge has been in the great state of Oklahoma for about 30 years. Teen Challenge Oklahoma was not started by a pastor. Teen Challenge Oklahoma was started by a heroin addict who decided to rob a gun or rob a bank with a shotgun and ended up going to prison. His name was Bill Everett. And while Bill Everett was in prison, he had a radical uh, coming to Christ and began to become a a person of the Bible. And, And in prison, God began to conform him to the image of Christ. And he read a little book written by David Wilkerson called The Cross and the Switchblade. And when he came out, he said, man, I want to be part of this ministry. And, and, and Bill thought he would go where he lived in Iowa and, and work at Teen Challenge and kind of rebuild his life. And he had hopes to go be a business person and be successful and raise his family. And that was his hopes and plans. But he felt the nudging of God calling him, saying there's still states in this country where there isn't a Teen Challenge. And Oklahoma was one of those states. And in prayer, he felt like God saying, Oklahoma needs my grace. Now, what's interesting is 33 years ago, actually, when he began to call and talk to pastors about coming here, the consensus was kind of, we don't really need a program like this in Oklahoma, even though back then you did. Um, But little did, did anybody know that 30 years later that methamphetamines would be available on every rural street corner in Oklahoma, that soccer moms would be addicted to opiates. Listen, drugs, drugs has swept through our land in the last decades for, you know, like a plague. In the inner cities, in the countryside, listen, it is, a, it is a scourge and a plague. And we can talk about all the social reasons why this is happening, but the real reason is this, is because our country, little by little, has be to begun to turn our back on the God of the Bible. But I'm here to tell you this, that God is going to use men like this and women like this to bring revival to this country. Why do I say that? Because any place where the name of Jesus is proclaimed, there the power of the Holy Spirit is. You want to see the Spirit of God move? Then then fully surrender your life to God and proclaim Jesus unapologetically everywhere you go. That's what brings the power of God. Amen. Let me just say a couple other things about the ministry, and then we will have a, a, a gentleman come up and tell his, his story. Um, Teen Challenge has been in Oklahoma for 30 years. We have men's, women's, and juvenile centers. So our center is the original center that Bill Everett started 33 years ago. We're Sunrise. We are a men's program. We house uh, between 50 and 60 men who are in the program at any given time. We have 15 men who are interns who have graduated the program and are staying and and learning how to be leaders. We also have a a satellite campus, which I'm the director of, of the Oklahoma School of Ministry, where men who have graduated the program and graduated the internship program are now becoming credentialed ministers in the Assemblies of God. Within a a 100-mile radius of our center, we have four pastors of Assembly of God churches that have graduated from our program. Just a few weeks ago, amen, that, that is something to give God glory about. Just a few weeks ago, one of our staff members left us, and he is on his way to be a missionary to Japan. When Wesley came to our program, he was a heroin junkie, and his girlfriend at the time was a heroin junkie. And they even had it OD'd in front of their one-year-old son. Their lives were bankrupt. They were addicted to the needle through a legal situation where the police stormed into Wesley's house, he 
ditched a gun. It went off. The police thought he fired at him, and he was heading to jail for a very long time. But God intervened in his life and gave him an opportunity to come to the program. While he was there, he got radically saved. God transformed his life. God transformed his girlfriend's life. I had the beauty and pleasure of marrying them to each other. Now they are men and women of God who are preaching the gospel to a lost and dying world. And they're going to a place, Japan, where 1% of people know the gospel. 1% of people. And so these are just some of the stories. Another thing that we have out of Sunrise is just down the street from us is the largest men's prison in the state of Oklahoma, Lawton Correctional Facility. Inside the walls of that prison, this is my favorite thing we do, we have a 112-man pod in the prison where people are pulled out, they apply out of general population, and they come to our pod, Freedom Challenge. And these men there are going through the same exact program. We have two staff members that we fully fund out of Sunrise that are there five days a week. Even during the pandemic, when I couldn't go in there, our daily workers were able to still go in there and minister to these men. And there are men that, have, that went into that place as gangbangers, that have went into that place as drug dealers, went into that place as robbers, that are coming out the other side of that as men on fire for God. Men who truly, here's the thing, people who truly believe that God transforms lives. This is something that's lost in the church today. We don't think God can supply our need or that God can intervene in some small situation in our life because we have forgotten that the very nature of the gospel is supernatural. It's God bringing something that was dead to life. And this is what Teen Challenge is. And brothers, this is what the church is. This is people who were lost, who are now found, that are communing together for the glory of God as we reach out to this, this community and whatever context God has put us in. And so we have our center, Sunrise. It's a men's center in Stillwater. We have another adult men's center. In Sepulpa, we have a women's center for adult women. In Shakota, we have a center where women and also children can go. And then in Jay, Oklahoma, we have Brush Creek Boys Home and New Life House for Girls. And so one of the, the most important things to say about our ministry is this, is we are a true nonprofit. We have never said no to someone because of money, and we never will. We are not a, if you've ever tried to help someone get into rehab, um, you're looking at ten, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. Listen, Jesus didn't send to help for us to help the affluent. Jesus sent to help people who are in need, and that is what Team Challenge does. And so by God's grace, by churches like this who are, support us faithfully, thank you, we are able to say yes to every person who says, I want change. And that's all it takes is for someone to be ready to change. When I first tried to get free from drugs, raised up, not given a sob story, raised up in a single mom household, um, didn't have a lot of things going for me. And when I was ready to change my life, right, I realized there's no help. I don't have money. I don't got a rich dad. I don't have insurance. And yes, of course, the, the, the fruit of that, much of that responsibility is my own fault. But that's not, the, that's not the gospel. Where's the gospel to the poor? What is the gospel to the disenfranchised? Jesus came to seek and save people who are needy, spiritually needy. And those people fall in all sorts of socioeconomic demographics. Um, we're here to seek and save the lost and, and invite people. Listen, tell them that Jesus is willing to pardon their sins and invite them to be part of the family of God. That is what Christianity is. 
nothing more, nothing less. Living life for the glory of God, exclusively for God's glory as we, as we minister the gospel to a lost and dying world. And so this is Teen Challenge. This is who we are. This is what we do. Um, the last thing I'll say before I invite TJ to come up is in effort to, to uh, support ourselves, we don't just come to churches and take up offerings. We, we work. The Bible says if a man doesn't work, a man shouldn't eat. So we, we work every, every day. The guys go to class one day, and then another day they go to work. And we have ministries like our thrift stores, which help support the ministry. All proceeds go back into our ministry. I have the blessing of uh, getting a book contract. God gave this old drug addict an opportunity to write books about Christian discipleship. And all proceeds from those books go to Teen Challenge. Um, we also have some woodworking out there that these men, men make with their own hands as they learn how to do something. Hands that used to devise wicked schemes now are doing something beautiful and amazing. And all proceeds go to Teen Challenge. Another cool thing is each one of these vocations are ran by a graduate who now has a full-time job with benefits as they're building their life up and ministering to men just like they were. And so we're, we're doing our best to, to use what God's given us, our minds, our hands, um, and, and, and support ourselves, but we are grateful for the church um, and churches like this that really put their money where their mouth is. This, you want to see where your mission's money goes? It's standing right before you. A life that was utterly fractured, ruined. Even mom, you know, when mom's given up hope, you know things are bad. Not that she ever did, but when mo my mom told me there was a moment when Every time the phone rang, I thought this was the time where I got the call that you were going to prison for, 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 the, for good now or that you were dead because of your lifestyle. But that's not my relationship with my mom anymore. And this is, this is not the relationship these men have with their families. See, it is great that we go on to be pastors and ministers and missionaries and business people. That's all fine. But what's really most important is that a husband goes home and is a man of honor to his wife right? That men, are, that men are actually raising their children instead of having them part of the system. Um, that, that men and women get to be answers to prayers from mamas and grandmamas who've been praying for them for years, sometimes decades. Don't think about your family member and think it would never work for him. Listen, I was that man. It would have never worked for me, but the power of God, the God who spoke the world into existence. TJ, why don't you come tell them what God's doing in your life? Good morning. My name is TJ. I'm 29 years old from Bartlesville, Oklahoma, and I am a child of God. Fifteen months ago, 15 months ago, I was a broken, lost, angry, bitter, selfish, cocaine and pill addict, and I was an absolute slave to my sin. I can stand before you in confidence today and say that my life has been transformed by Jesus Christ and the power of his gospel. And I have been set free from a life of sin and death. <laughs> I grew up in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, just a couple miles down the way here. Uh, and my mother's home with my sister. And my mom was intentional about leading me and my sister to church and guiding us to a relationship with the Lord. Fast forward to when I was 23, I found myself on the front porch of my girlfriend's house with the news that she was pregnant. Four months later, we were married. And by the time our daughter was born... I was still using and hiding my addiction. My wife had begged me over and over again to stop, and of course I said I would, and of course I didn't. A little more than a year goes by, and our son was born. 
And you would think the responsibility of a husband and a father of two would motivate someone to change, but it didn't for me. I'm still using a year or so. After a year or so went by, I was still using, and I was living this double life, getting high behind her back, and obviously failing as a father and a husband. And I was still angry and bitter and selfish, and I was still a terrible addict. My wife had continued to give me chance after chance after chance after chance, and eventually my continued addiction and out-of-control life led to our divorce. Now after losing everything, I turned to God for a miracle solution to my problem, and of course, a couple months later, I turned back to what I knew best, which was my addiction, and I added cocaine to the madness. This continued and worsened until I, even lo I lost the privilege of even seeing my children. I couldn't even be in the same room with them. Now after really losing everything except the clothes on my back, for the next nine months, my life began to truly spiral out of control, and I headed down a road of darkness, and my addiction only increased from there. My, could, my family could see my life begin to be destroyed one day at a time, but they never lost hope, and they never stopped praying. After many sleepless nights for my mother and family, their prayers were answered when a dear family friend mentioned a place called Adult and Teen Challenge. They sat me down and offered to take me if I was willing to go, and of course with my life in utter chaos, and slowly but surely unwinding one day at a time, I said yes to going, and little did I know this would be the beginning of a radical life transformation. On August 10th of 2020, I arrived at Sunrise Ranch broken and lost, exhausted, full of guilt and shame. But slowly but surely after I arrived, God began to peel back all those layers of pain and guilt. He began to remove the heartache and the destruction that I had caused over the past years. And we are taught often, like Josh said, that the root of our problems is a sin problem and a personal disconnect from God. One day at a time, one chapel at a time, one moment at a time, God began to open my eyes. He opened the eyes of my heart to my true need for his saving grace and his mercy and my desperate need for salvation only found in him. And he broke me, church, he broke me over and over, but he didn't leave me there. He began to rebuild my life, and he began to turn that cold heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And one day at a time, he began rebuilding my life on the solid foundation that is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. <laughs> he has turned me into a new man and a new father, a new son for my, for, my, er, for my family. And church, I know in confidence that this isn't just us turning over a new leaf. This is Christ giving us a new life. Praise God for his mercy. All glory to God. Praise God for his mercy and grace on our lives. And praise God for his forgiveness and his unfailing love. All glory to God for his patience and kindness to those of us who were far off and dead. I mean dead in our sins. And all glory to God for his willingness to raise up broken, dead things to new life in him. All glory to God for transformed lives. Praise God every day for giving me a second chance at life and for giving my, my children a daddy that they can look up to, that they don't, have to be, they don't have to be afraid of anymore. They can look up to. My son now has a father who he can look up to and, and follow. Hallelujah. 
And praise God for Sunrise Adult and Teen Challenge, where we can come and find hope, where we can come and find freedom, where we can come in contact with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 17 tells us, This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them, Paul speaking here. But I receive mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 is where I'll finish. is on the, the wall of our building when you walk in, which says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Church, my name is TJ, and I am a child of God. Amen. Amen. You know, we live in a, a culture today, for better, for worse, um, that is very marketed. You know, we want to put our best foot forward. You know, we want to sell our product. You know, even for individuals, you know, when we're on Facebook, we're trying to sell a product. Hey, look at my family. Look at my new outfit. Look at my new car. Um, you know, and so this idea of, of TJ and other men coming and standing behind this pulpit, this is not us selling a product. Um, the truth is this. Nobody walks into the program looking like that, talking like that. And you don't come to a year-long program because you haven't tried other things. You, you don't give up a year of your life unless there's a judge somewhere that's saying, if you don't go there, we're sending you away for a very long time. Or a wife who says, I don't know where you're going to go, but you can't stay here. Or a mom and dad who says, there's no more couches left to sleep on. There's no more, you can't do this anymore. I mean, obviously, people don't come for the right reasons. We come because we're broken. We come because we're drug addicts. We come because we don't want to go to prison. We come for lots of reasons that aren't good reasons, but it doesn't matter because all that we hope is that we can get them in the true presence of Christ. See, that my goal for every person who walks through the doors of that place is a year's not a very long time. I want them to have a life-changing encounter with Christ, and I want them to leave as people of the book. People that believe that reality is the Bible. You know, there's many people, and this isn't a criticism or critique, it's just a reality. There are many people that sit in pews in churches week after week who could recite the Bible and, and have no idea that it's alive and active and powerful. It's some sort of like thing. It's like a, some sort of inspirational philosophy or something. Listen, this is reality. These are the words of the very living God. The way that, uh, that I heard God speak to my life for the very first time is when I was doing a year in Dallas County Jail. And after two months of sitting there feeling sorry for myself, I began to look in a Red Gideon's Bible just to maybe find some sort of like inspiration. And I just kind of bounced around and, you know, I'm reading Jeremiah. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is rough. Let me get over somewhere else. And I'm just flipping around in this book. And there was a man... There was this man by the name of Tyrone who had been in prison for many, many years. And while he was in prison, he became a devout follower of Jesus. And he had been taken out of prison where he was and brought back to the county where I was because he had to be part of another court hearing. So they brought him out of prison where he was serving a 20-year sentence. And this man looked at me as I was reading through this Bible, trying to figure things out. And he looked at me and he said, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? And I said, well, I don't. Know if I'd go that far, but uh, you know, I said the prayer once when I was a kid. I'm pretty sure I'm going to heaven. I, 
He goes, what in the Bible makes you think that? He thinks you said some prayer to a God you're not interested in knowing. You think you're a Christian? And this man began to challenge me and, and help me and direct me in biblical truth. And, and, and my life didn't change like completely overnight. But, the, but I, the word of God spoke to me. I read the book of Romans. And I didn't understand all the theological concepts. But I knew something. God was holy. And there was wrath being stored up. And the description of the people is being stored up it sounded a lot like me. And then I also saw this grace and this goodness of God and, and the word of God begin to become alive and real to me. Obviously, I didn't come out of jail and live for God. I wanted to, but then the world scooped me back up and that's how I ended up coming to the program. Eventually, a pastor said, listen, I know you're trying to live for God, but you need discipleship. You need someone to come alongside you. You need someone to speak truth into your life. And that's what the program did for me. But listen, our program is simple. People come there sometimes and they're, they're confused because there's no doctors. There's no smart people. There's just us. I'm serious. They get there and they think, is this it? This, oh, it's a church thing? Listen, it's not, it's not a, just a church thing. It's a the church thing. It's a the faith thing. It is, it is Christ and Christ crucified, stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those of us being saved, the very power of God. If you'll get your Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews. Pastor didn't know when he mentioned Hebrews 11 that that's what I would be speaking out of today. Sorry, I just broke your expensive microphone. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, turn to Hebrews 11 for me. This message is called Lives of Faith. Lives of Faith. And we will be in Hebrews 11 starting in chapter Chapter 11, verse 7. Hebrews 11, starting in verse 7, says, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. And by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going, by faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him in the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city that has foundations and whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, he as good as dead, were born the descendants, as many as the stars of the heaven, and as innumerable as the grains of sand on the seashore. All these died in faith, not having received these things promised, but have greeted them from afar off, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles in the earth. For people who speak make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, I am a mere man, Lord. I have no eloquence, God. I'm not even a very good speaker, Lord, but I pray as your word is preached under your anointing that it will find its mark. 
God, that you will till the soil of men and women's hearts. God, not to just just think of this as another time at church, but a time where the very words of God are being presented, Lord, the truth of God. And Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be a to be your herald, God, to be your messenger. Lord, I just pray that you would use this humble vessel, Lord, for your glory. And Lord, that you would conform us to the image of Christ if we be in Christ. And for those who are not in Christ, that the conviction, Lord, will draw us to repentance. In Jesus' name, amen. So we don't have a lot of time, and I don't have a, you know, a good amount of time to contextualize this well. But I just will do my best to, to frame it a little bit here we have three lives of faith, three people of faith. If you've ever uh, heard the, the book of Hebrews preached before, a lot of people preach out of Hebrews 11, and people call this the hall of faith or the faith chapter. And the reason why is because it gives a list of people who are receiving Christ in, in future tense by righteousness that comes through faith. And what's interesting about this group of people, it's a very diverse group of people. You have people in there that you would expect. You have Moses and Abraham. But towards the end of it, you also have a prostitute who is a Gentile named Rahab. You've got people on every level of the spectrum. And the thing that unites them together is this faith. The faith that, that they are, and it's interesting because we're talking about Old Testament people. What the author of Hebrews is pointing out to us here is these people in the Old Testament are being saved by the very same faith that we are. In Moses' case, it says that God counted it as righteousness. Abraham, God counted it to him as righteousness. See, we're looking back. Obviously, Jesus is still alive and well. But we're looking back to a past event to find our truth and salvation on the cross. And they were looking forward to a future event. But it's the same power of the same cross that saved them, that saved us. So even though, you know, pastor said heroes of the faith, and I've used this terminology too, I think sometimes we can think about these men and women wrong if we, if we platform them too far away from ourselves. See, Christianity isn't made up of many groups of people. There's really only one kind of person who's a Christian, a person who has saving faith, real faith, something that's tangible and real. In the world, there really only are two classes of people. There are people inside of Christ who are being saved, and there are people outside of Christ who are perishing. We give categories for everything in this world, but there is only two categories that actually matter. And so often when we look at Abraham or Noah as these great heroes of faith, we push them way far away from ourselves, and we say, okay, those are the heroes of faith, right? And then there's the bad people. They're going to hell. And then there's us, you know, just the sort of middle of the road, nominal Christian. But the book of Hebrews makes it painstakingly clear that there are not three groups. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39, the very last verse that leads into Hebrews 11, it says, listen, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are of those who persevere to salvation through our faith. And those are the two groups of people. Listen, Christianity is not about people who have great faith or small faith. It's about genuine faith. See, a person who believes that Christ can raise someone from the dead believes everything else. Everything starts with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Believing by faith. Listen, I, I, 
So I'll give you just a little example here, a sort of insight into my life. This is actually what I'm working on currently for my doctoral dissertation for my degree in systematic theology. Sounds, you know, systematic theology. But really all systematic theology is focusing on the big doctrines of the Christian faith. And for me, my focus is on uh, the idea of reclaiming biblical faith. Because see, in our culture today, and even in the church, we sort of borrow the world's definition of what faith is. See, people who aren't Christians use the term faith too. You could go to a non-saved person's house, and on their wall there might be some plaques that say, Faith, hope, love. But see, what they mean by faith and what we mean by faith isn't the same thing. See, our faith is in a vague whale wish that we're hoping that something will work out for us. Our faith is actually grounded in something that is reality. See, our faith isn't in something. Our faith is in someone. And that is someone that we believe promised us to you. would save us. We promised. He, believed, he made a lot of promises to us. And all of our faith, listen, is bound up together. So if Christ saved us, resurrected us, and make, is making a future home for us, then that God is still going to be able to fulfill all of his other promises. So in the beginning of Hebrews 11, in, in, in verse 1, a lot of people go in and grab the, the text right out of there. What is Hebrews 11? 1 is probably one of the most famous verses in the this Bible about faith. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction, or as the King James would say, evidence of things not seen. And so a lot of times people, you know, the way the King James renders it, it actually says faith is the substance of things hoped for. And because of this, sometimes I feel like some people intentionally, maybe some people unintentionally, have begun in the last 50 or 100 years to preach about faith like faith is a substance. Like almost like if we can accumulate enough faith that we can wield our will and God will hear us and all this sort of, this sort of things. But listen, it's not about great faith. It's about genuine faith in a great God. And here's, here's what I, 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 my sort of definition of faith that I think is a biblical one is this. Faith is knowing we stand justified before God on the basis of Christ and that God will keep his promises to us. This is what our faith is in. Nothing more, nothing less. Now you say, well, hey, does, how does that affect my life on a Tuesday afternoon at my house? Well, you got to get in this word because there are promises about your life. There are promises about God's children. There are promises that are, that are awaiting people who are outside of Christ, and they're not good. And there's promises that are awaiting those of us who are in Christ. And many times, we just take a sort of regurgitated version of, of things we think God has said, and they're out of context, and we don't really hold fast to them because they're not really all that real to us. And for me, I propose that saving faith... Listen, when Jesus said, listen, if you want to follow me... You've got to deny yourself, pick up a cross and follow me. See, this isn't a sort of like down the road, mature place in Christianity. This is the beginning of Christianity. These men weren't perfect in the New Testament. But Matthew was willing to leave his tax collector's booth to follow Jesus. Peter and James and these guys were willing to leave thriving fishing businesses. Works don't save us. But they do bear witness to our belief that Christ has saved us. James, the half-brother of Jesus, would say it this way. Faith without works is dead. I could be sitting in a car with my wife and not being able to see my blind spot and say, Honey, is there any cars coming? No, we're clear. 
Well, you sure? I feel it's a pretty busy road. Let me get out and double check. I believe you, honey, but no, I don't believe you. You know, what, you know what proves I believe you is when my foot hits the accelerator. See, that's not, my, that's not faith is saving me or works are saving me. That's evidence that I believe what she said. And that's the, the disconnect in Christianity. Christianity is theoretical to most people in American Christianity. And Jesus is this story about this good teacher or something that's off in the distance. This is not Christianity. Jesus coming to earth and dying for us is a reality. It should be the greatest reality of your life as a Christian. So a faith that saves, preserves, and that faith will bear fruit. Hebrews 12 tells us that Jesus himself is the author and the finisher of our faith. So where does faith come from? Well, the Bible tells us. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes by hearing And through hearing the word of Christ or the word of the Lord. So let me get to my first point. Our hope and faith is in Christ. Our hope and faith is in what God has promised us. But how do we know any of these things? We know them through the sacred words of scripture. I was talking to Pastor about this before we, we had church this morning. The thing that divides real Christianity and any sort of vaults Christianity is this. Is the belief that every word of this book is true. You may say, oh, I just want to love Jesus. I don't want to get caught up in doctrine or anything. Listen, how do you know who Jesus is? What Jesus are you talking about? Are you talking about the Jesus that this world has created that endures any kind of sin and lets you do you? Or are you talking about the Jesus of the Bible? Because the Bible itself says there will many Christ will come. There will be many Christ to come. How are we going to know who the Christ is through the word of God? You don't know what the gospel is without the word of God. You don't know who God is. You don't know what the promises of God are. You don't know what salvation is without the word of God. So my first point is every true life of faith is built on the word of God. Let's look back at our text for a second. Verse 7, by faith Noah, being warned of God concerning events yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By doing this, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. So why'd Noah build a boat? You just take up a hobby on the weekends, hey, I'm going to build a boat. No, listen, it never rains before, most people believe. There was no evidence for this. Why did Noah build the boat? Because God had spoke and he believed. The, the story of Noah begins with the word of the Lord. The story of Abraham begins with the word of the Lord. Every life of faith in Hebrews and the Old Testament and the New Testament begins with a word from the Lord. Listen, trying to talk about faith in a way that is disjointed from the gospel and from biblical truth is not something, it's something that would have been a foreign concept to the apostles. Listen, if, if, if you can't, if, if, if the gospel, if, if a future city, not everything is about heaven, but if, if what we're doing in this life and what we're living for, if it's not in line with the idea that, like it says in this text, that we're actually living like sojourners or exiles or strangers. We, we build in a kingdom here. This is a vapor. It's going to be over soon. We're looking forward to a future city whose builder and maker is God. And if that is true, listen, if that is true, then it's going to change the way you live in this life. It's going to change the way you live in this life. And the reason it doesn't change the way we live in this life is because that truth is not something we really know and perceive. 
maybe not in a saving way. Because you can't have faith in other areas of your life that's disjointed from saving faith. That's why when you look at early church father writings, they don't talk about faith as much as they talk about the faith. Because all the promises of God are wrapped up in this one thing, the faith, the way. Jesus Christ, he is the way, the truth, and the life. The pinnacle of this is, is Christ. And that Christ is revealed to us in God's word. Now, sometimes you may think, well, that's unfortunate. Does, you know, because some of the promises in, in, in the Bible don't apply to me. You know, God did make specific promises to specific people in the Bible. So you might say, well, you know, how do I know which ones apply to me? You're going to have to get in the word and you're going to have to study it. You have to come to church. Listen, this can't be a hobby for you. This has got to be a lifestyle. It's hard for us in America because we are catered to and served. We've been told that we need a customer service agent who treats us well. One thing COVID has shown a lot of us, and when, when customer service breaks down, it shows us how we really are inside. What do you mean I can't get one of those? I've always, you're out of stock. What do you mean? Amazon, what do you mean you can't have this in my house tomorrow? What am I, an animal? <laughs> Don't let me get off. But God has made specific promises, but God has also made promises for all people of all time in the Bible. Let me give you some promises of God that you can count on. God said that he will supply all of your needs according to the richness of his glory in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. He says that he will pursue you with goodness and mercy. Listen to this. The Bible says that Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you, that the Lord will be your helper so you shall not fear. What can man do to you? If you abide in him, you will bear much fruit. Listen, he will renew your strength and you will mount up on wings like eagles. Listen, you will run and you will not grow weary. You will not grow faint. Listen, it says his word will be a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. Listen, the Bible is full of promises. Promises for the believer. Promises about what's going to happen at the end of the age. And those of us who are really tapped into the reality of that are people that see the gospel is this pinnacle moment of their life. We were dead in sin. Now, for us, it's obvious, right? We were, maybe you don't know anyone who's a drug addict. I, I doubt that in this day and age. You probably know somebody or know somebody who knows somebody. But even if our stories don't hit home in that way, they should remind you something, that God can save anybody. See, God doesn't, and here's what many of us want from God. We want a makeover. We want God to build a second story on our shack. And that's not how God does business. God's going to clear it all away. He's going to break up the ground and he's going to lay a, a solid foundation, which is Christ himself. And he's going to build your life in a way that this world will not be able to destroy it. Like it says at the end of Matthew chapter 7. When it says, you will, you, the rains will come and your house will not collapse because it's built on the rock. And that rock is Christ. Listen, in a very real way, our faith is built on the word of God. You know, I've had people tell me, oh, the Bible's complicated. You know, the Bible's, uh, it's hard to understand. I promise you this. If I handed you this book and said, listen, I'm going to give you one year to read this Bible. One year. 
You get the internet, you got concordances, study aids, you got your pastor. I'm going to give you one year, and if you can give me like a 30-page synopsis of what this book's about, I'll give you a billion dollars. I promise you that you would be digging in this book day after day like there was gold. But let me tell you something. There is gold, and it's eternal gold, and it's eternal life. And we don't see it like that way. Jesus said, listen, this is how you, to be saved, you actually have to perceive the kingdom of heaven. He says, there was a man who was working in a field and he found a treasure of great value. This is Matthew 13, 44. It says, when he found the treasure, he covered it up again. And then he says, he went off and in his joy, sold all he had so he could buy the field. Now the people in his life, as he's selling all this stuff, probably think this dude is an idiot. What are you doing? But see, he knows something they don't know. This is the gospels. We, see, we have to see Christ like that kind of treasure. His word has to be gold to us like that. Okay, back on task here. Number two, although an outward response, you know, faith without works is dead. There has to be action that prove that there's something real going on here. Although an outward response to God's word is, is necessary, it is always preceded by an inward working See, the world wants to fix us from the outside in. That's not the way Christianity works. Something new happens inside of you. People in our culture today say, follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. It's wicked and sick. The prophet Jeremiah says, who can know it? You sure don't. I sure don't. God does, though. See, Christianity is about a heart transplant. God gives you a new heart. The things you used to love, you now hate. And the things you used to hate, you now love. In Christ. Unfortunately, we still have a debased and corrupt mind. And that's why we have to conform ourselves to the image of Christ through his word. And this isn't some busy work we do. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in sanctification inside of us. This is the work God is doing in us. So the outward response to God's word is always preceded by an inward working. So what does it look like in our text with Noah? It says, by faith Noah being warned by God, he heard a word from the Lord... Yet con- events, concerning events yet unseen, then it says in reverent fear he constructed an ark. So he heard from God. What did it do? In him it produced reverent fear. Now listen, if he didn't believe in God, he wouldn't have produced anything in him. Let me tell you one of the most impactful things you'll ever hear about the gospel. And for some of you this is old hat, but maybe this will be something revolutionary for, for one of you. True salvation, listen, as a Christian who, who works in a ministry like Teen Challenge, there are pastors all the time They say, what does it take to reach guys like this? Well, it takes this. We don't need some special method. You, 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 when you think it has to do with methods, it's the, very, it's the words of God. We're waiting for a miracle. When these guys show up, it's a miracle they come, it's a miracle they stay. We, want, we need a miracle. We need some sort of inward working to happen. And this can only happen through the power of the Spirit. we got to give them something to work with, though. We've got to preach the Word of God to them. That's the problem with many in the church today. We're preaching messages that people's itching ears want to hear instead of preaching what they need to hear. Where are the prophets like Ezekiel who will stand up in fear of the Lord and speak the truth? Where are ministers like John the Baptist who fear God and have no fear of man? who aren't worried about budgets or any of this stuff, who really believe that one day they will stand before a living God. Now, I'm not a fool. I understand I have a huge budget that we have to manage. 
I'm not pretending like I don't live in the real world. But my faith is in God. Listen, if God called me to run this ministry, then God is going to empower this ministry. He is going to supply its needs. And me thinking, well, drug addicts don't really like to hear about sin. I don't want to hurt their feelings. No, they need the truth. If you went into a, 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 a doctor's office to find out the test results from your cancer, you're like, do I have cancer? Do I? You know, it would ruin your day if the, if the doctor said, yes, you do have cancer. But you've got to give the bad news before you can give the good news. Yes, you do have cancer, but we have something. We can help you. If you'll come back in, I'll take this scalpel. I'll cut it out. I'll patch you up, and you'll be as good as new. That's what the gospel is. So the gospel, I got way off track here. The gospel is this. We see God as holy. This is the first thing. To truly be a Christian, you have to, that's why we have to preach the law with the gospel. We can't live up to the law. The law is, is nothing but a schoolmaster that shows us we ain't God and we can't live up to him. But we need the law. The law shows us that God is holy, that he hates sin. Listen, the story of Noah should tell us this. There is no greater example of the gospel. Listen, God killed everybody in the world but eight people. For his glory. Because these were wicked people. We don't think God is holy. God is holy. That God is holy. So the gospel goes like this. We see God for who he really is. And in light of that, we see ourselves for who we really are. Desperate, wretched sinners who are poor and bankrupt. And there's nothing we can do. We could never be good enough. And when we see God for who he is. And we see ourselves for who we are. Then we will see grace for what it is. Like the old hymn writer who said, oh, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Listen, when we, when we devalue the holiness of God, we simultaneously devalue the value of grace. Grace is costly and beautiful because God, Jesus' life was costly and beautiful. The inward working of faith looks like this. Noah heard from God. In him it produced reverent fear. And outside of him it produced an ark. I know sometimes with our flannel graphs, and I love Sunday school flannel graphs, we forget that these are real stories. This is something real that happened. Listen, there wasn't a spark of emotion where Noah just got excited about God for a couple days. Got some goosebumps and said, glory. Listen, day after day and week after week, he was constructing this ark. And you know what it says that ark did? It condemned the world around him. Let me ask you a question. What are you building in your life that is condemning the world around you? What do you do with your money that the world goes, what are you doing? What are you doing with your time? Why do you spend all your time down at that church? Oh, you're going to give to God. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to take up an offering or anything like that or try to make you feel bad about how much time you spend at church. But I'll tell you something. Your checkbook... Your scheduler, schedule book, all these things tell who you really are. Oh, I love Jesus. You'll spend $15,000 to get your son into some fast pitch softball league because you think he's going to be, you know, the next Nolan Ryan or something. You can't even be bothered to come down to the church. Listen, where are our pride? This isn't like a legalistic like push. The, the question is, what is the word of God producing in us? Is it producing a reverent fear that gives birth to something in this life that's actual reality? It did in Noah's life. It did in Abraham's life. He got rid of all his stuff and went and lived in a, in a place in tents. What are you doing? 
Go back to where you came from. No, but God had spoken to him. This land's going to be yours. Your people are going to be numerable more than the sands of the sea on the seashore. More than the stars in the heaven. And this, my friends, these aren't great lives of faith. These are genuine lives of faith. Because you may never build a boat or, or move off into, you know, Palestine and all this sort of stuff. But the truth is, is God is calling you to abandon your allegiance to this world and to live for the promises that he has made in this word. It's not a hobby. It can't be. Jesus said, I will spit the lukewarm out of my mouth. You want to know why? Because they don't have saving faith. Okay, moving forward. Reverend Fear, give me, give me eight minutes. Eight minutes. Don't laugh. Ten. Give me ten minutes. Can I get, can I get 15? No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. So listen, here's what inward faith, the working of inward faith looks like. God speaks and it produces something in you. The gospel is that way. And every other part of this scripture should be that way. It produces something in you that actually yields a harvest. God spoke concerning events yet unseen and it says Noah began to construct an ark. His internal action was preceded by an internal response. Listen, fear. I mean, inward fear. Reverence. He believed God was going to destroy the world. Everybody else laughed and mocked. There's things I do in my life where I don't even, I don't even speak a negative word to someone. Just the sheer way that I live my life separated from the world offends people in my family. Oh, you ain't going to come over here and do this with us? You too good for us? You ain't coming to barbecue anymore? You ain't going to come over here and just have a couple drinks with us? No, I'm, I'm not judging you. Living my life for the glory of God. See, the, see the, the misconception in the world today is we, we like to ask the question, what can we do and still be saved? Christians don't ask that question. Hey, how close can I get to the line and still be saved? A Christian's question is, does this or does this not glorify God? See, Jesus taught us how to view the world when he taught us how to pray. He said, pray all things in light of two things. Your kingdom coming and your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And this should be the driving force of your life. What does your life say about that? What does my life say about that? Proverbs 19 says, listen, 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. We better fear God. Listen, even as Christians, the fact, not even just fear. Listen, we should be afraid of God. God's going to destroy the world. He's going to separate sheep and goats, and he's going to send people into an unquenchable fire. I'm not, I'm not trying to scare you into heaven. That's a reality. As Christians, though, even in Christ, we have a reverent fear towards God. Listen, this is the God who spoke the world into existence, that flooded the world and killed. This same God called you by name and invited you to be part of his family. You should be awestruck with this. I wake up in the morning and think, God, I should be in a ditch. I should be in prison. I should be lost forever. You know, many times in the culture today, people are, are running around saying, give me justice. And yes, God is a God of justice. But as human beings, we better be very careful pounding our fist asking for justice. Because the only thing we actually deserve in this life is damnation. What we need to say is, God, give me grace. Have mercy on me. And guess what? He will. There won't be proud people in heaven. They'll just be saved people. There won't be good people in heaven. They'll just be saved people. Moving forward. 
Point three, we're at the final point. Although faith is born as an inner working, a true life of faith will, will, will manifest an outward work. Your works don't save you, but it, it, is a, it is evidence that you're alive. Jesus is a good tree, will bear good fruit. You'll be known by your works. They're not saving you. You know why you're saved? You're saved because Christ has pardoned you with his blood. He traded his innocence for your guilt. That's why you're saved. But the evidence that you actually perceive and receive that is the way you live your life. And listen, I'm not talking about perfectly. Because every person mentioned in the hall of faith, we got a little dirt on them. They were human beings. We're not talking about perfectly. We're talking about genuinely. And I give this example many times on a preach. I'm sure I've given it here before. But I'm a married man. Love my wife. She's the greatest gift God has ever given me outside of salvation. And I am not a perfect husband. I'm sure she could give a lecture on, on that fact. I'm not a perfect husband, but I'm a faithful husband. My life, When I stood up between or before a, a minister and, and my friends and family, I didn't stand there when he said, listen... Do you forsake everybody, all other women, and devote your life to her? I didn't go, well, you know, nobody's perfect. No, I said, yes, I will. Because I love her. And I'm willing to say a thousand no's to say this one yes. And that's the thing about Christianity. Sometimes we get accused of when we preach God's word of being legalistic. Listen, it's not about the fact that a bunch of series of doing right things makes you a Christian. We obey God because we love him. Because we perceive the gravity of salvation. A good tree will bear good fruit. Noah had faith in God's word. Inside him it produced a reverent fear. Externally it produced an ark. And this, my friends, is the best picture of the gospel in the Old Testament. The wrath of God being stored up for wicked humanity. The book of Romans says that's happening right now. The wrath of God was being stored up for a wicked humanity. But... The constructing of the ark was a place of salvation. Anyone inside the ark would be saved. So our lives as Christians should look a lot like this. Living separated from the world, being mocked and scoffed as we build something that we believe has eternal value. As we look and say, listen, God's going to judge the world and everything's going to be destroyed. But there's room for you in the ark. Come with us. Come with us. Be in the ark. Be in Christ. What does it say in Romans chapter 8 verse 1? Listen, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. In Christ. Are you in Christ? And does your life bear witness to that fact? None of these people saw it with fullness. They saw it at, 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 off in a distance. So yes, God is mindful of our, our, our needs in this life. He talks about that many places in the Bible. God is concerned about your daily affairs. God's concerned about your children and all these sort of things. But the truth is, is this is not what this is talking about. This is talking about the fact that our eyes are not set on the things of this world, but they are set on a future city whose builder and maker is God. Otherwise, the apostles died for nothing. And the early church fathers who were martyred died for nothing. And Christians in China today who are being killed are dying for nothing. If they're living for a kingdom in this life, then what's the point? They must have failed. No, the truth is, is they're looking forward to a future city whose builder and maker is God. And as Christians, that's my question. Are we looking forward to a city whose builder and maker is God? Because your life will bear witness or deny that. So in closing, here is my question. Where are our tents? 
Where's the evidence that God has spoke and we have believed? For, for many of you, that place of, of life-changing faith may be found in a lot of different places. For some of you, it's because your children are your idols. For some of you, it's because you're living, looking at your bank account from moment to moment going, is, am I going to make it? Listen, I'm not looking at life and saying there's not real problems. I'm a human being too. But my eyes are not set on a world that is, that is evaporating like a vapor before my eyes. I hope it's not because when I look around our country today, all I see is chaos and turmoil and trouble. And let me tell you, despite what some people in the church say today, the answer is still Jesus. The answer is still Christ and him crucified. Christianity is still about a blood-stained cross and an empty tomb. So where are our tents? Where are our arcs? Listen, where are the labor pains that show that we are bound up with child ready to give birth to the violence and just the, the, the beauty of birth? Are we pregnant with something in this life? I hope that's not a weird thing to say. Are we pregnant with something that we're just ready to birth? Listen, this is the evidence that there is something inside of us. Something inside of us. I'll tell you this last thing. I know there's people in here today that are, that are depressed, that are troubled. Listen, we get down. But the reason why we get depressed, the reason why we get down is because we have taken our eyes off the beauty and majesty of Jesus. And we've put it a place it doesn't belong. We put it on a worldly situation. Oh, here's the worst one. The reason why most of us are depressed is because we've taken our eyes off Jesus and we put it in the mirror. You want to be, be depressed? Then look at yourself a whole lot. You think it's a coincidence that our youth are killing themselves at ever-increasing rates and their lives are centered around about putting the perfect picture on a social media account and when they don't get enough likes, they take it down and go into their room and cry because they have been taught that they are the center of the universe instead of pointed at a precious, beautiful God who bled and died for them? You want to be depressed? Look at yourself. You'll get depressed fast. Look at the world. Look at politics. Focus on all that stuff. But see, the fruit of the Spirit, which is really the evidence that you are a Christian, is this. is because of the love of God, you will get a peace that passes understanding. You will get a joy that this world could never give you and could never take away. And goodness and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness. Let me read you one last scripture. What is faith? If I could sum it up in one word, what is faith? It is being convinced. Like the apostle Paul was convinced. When he sat in a prison cell, what did he do? Whine, complain, hey, get me out of here, guys. This ain't fair. No, he was writing letters to the churches he'd planted because he was worried about God and his kingdom and his people. Christianity is not a religion that works well with self-centeredness. Christianity is about giving. Some of us are so focused on receiving. That's why we go, well, I don't go to that church anymore because I wouldn't really get what I need out of it. I hope that I'm not offending anybody here. But listen, if you're well in body and you're watching by live stream and you're not out of town, get back to church. Because it's not about what you get out of church. Listen, the church needs you. They need your presence. Now, if you're shut in, you're sick. Thank God for technology. We were talking about this the other night. What a blessing if you're, you're sick that you get to engage in community with your... But listen, it's not about what, hey, pa Pastor Barb will knock around the park today. No, we need you here. 
Because church isn't about a man standing up in front of everybody. It's about the the community of God gathering together, worshiping the king of the ages, and having a pep rally so we can go out and win the world. Paul said these words in Romans chapter 8. Very famous scripture. We could preach a thousand sermons in Romans 8, couldn't we? But what does he say? Romans 8, 37. While he's sitting in jail, writing a letter to the Romans. What does he say? He says, no, in all these things, in all my tribulation, all the trouble, in in these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then he says the words that define his ministry, for I am convinced. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angel nor demon, nor height nor depth, nor anything in creation will be able to separate me from the love of God that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I'm here to tell you, if you are really convinced about that, you will live differently. You will not walk by fear. Your life will be an offering to God. Listen, abandon hope in your life. Abandon hope in yourself and put your faith fully in God. And guess what he'll do? He will use it. Those who wish to save save their life in this life will lose it. But Jesus says, those who lose their life for me, for my sake in the gospel, will surely find it. Faith is knowing we stand justified before God on the basis of Christ and that God will keep the promises he has made to us. Let's hold fast to that, saints. Lord, I thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you for the pastors, Lord, that you have called here. Lord, uh, I thank you for the word of God that is preached here. But we we can't take that for granted. In the weeks and days and months to come, we may realize just how valuable that actually is. To have someone has the courage to preach the truth of God's word in an ever-shifting culture. Lord, the the dark world doesn't need a watered-down, seeker-friendly gospel. It needs light. It needs truth. It needs life. It needs something real. And Lord, your spirit supplies all of that thing. Lord, you, 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 you equip the preaching of your word. Lord, you, you equip the saints, God. Lord, I pray that you would equip this church, Lord, and that you would continue to bless them, Lord, so that they can continue being a light to Ponca City, Lord. Lord, I pray that although there is a good preacher here and there is an excellent worship team here, Lord, they're so wonderful, but I pray this church wouldn't, wouldn't be famous for those things, Lord. It'd be famous because they would, people would say Jesus is there and his word is proclaimed there. It's a lighthouse in a dark and and lost world. It's a place where sinners become saints and their lives are transformed. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Josh. Come on, give him a big hand for the word of God today, amen. The word of God will not return void. I love that. Amen. Maybe TJ sounded like he got a little preach in him. I don't know. You may be seated for just one moment. We're about to get out of here. But I want us to be able to bless this ministry today. I want our praise and worship team to come back. Um, we need to bless them. I want you to give an offering today that says, you know what, because something happened inside of me, I want to touch somebody else so that something will happen inside of them. Um, I thank God that throughout all the pandemic, every month our church has sent out checks to every missionary. We've not missed one check. That's a testimony to God. It's also a testimony of your faithfulness. And so today, if you would, uh, get ready to give something today in addition 
straight to this ministry because I believe in what they are doing with all my heart. I thank God for the transformations that's taking place in this ministry. And while I have your attention, I failed to make two announcements and I don't want to be in trouble after church. Number one, we need about 50,000 pounds of candy, uh, first of all. So we need you to either buy candy or give some money for candy for next. And then number two, we need everybody to help with trunk and treat. It's so easy. Back your car up, get a game, give some candy. And they said here that if you don't know what to do for a game, go to Pinterest, correct? And find a game. And then tonight at 6 o'clock, we're having a pep rally here in this church. And um, yes, 6 o'clock. And uh, it's going to be loud. So if you think it's going to be too loud, get earplugs or sit right over here or right over here. Because these are the two dead spots in the church, you know. So if sit right up front here, right up front here. Otherwise, it's going to be really loud. Because we have a pep rally. Pep rallies are loud. And we're going to praise and worship God tonight. Uh, full on, get after it. Um, I was going to a concert that night. And this woman, my saw her, she goes, I'm getting my praise on. I'm like, man, awesome. Get it. Put on, take off the garments of heaviness. Put on some garments of praise. So do that tonight at 6 o'clock. Ushers, if you would, please come. And let's take up this special offering for adult men and teen challenge. God bless you guys. Man, I appreciate your faithfulness. I appreciate your love and heart for this ministry. Father, today we thank you for Pastor Joshua and Kira and for this ministry. God, we thank you that they are hands extended out of this church when we get to heaven, all of us are going to have part of their joy. And they're going to joyfully reunite with us. Man, look what God has done. These are trophies of grace. Hallelujah. The grace and mercy of God. Thank you for what you're doing in lives of men at this ministry. Thank you for what you're doing of lives of men and women and children in this church. We give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. Uh, we sure hope you were blessed by Pastor Bardwell's message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.